my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas. It's time for me to tell you a little bit about our Masterclass guest, Maggie Finnegan. So let's get those bio deets. Soprano Maggie Finnegan has been hailed by Opera News for her clear, poised, and defiant soprano, and the Washington Post for her silvery, pitch-perfect voice. Recent career highlights include performances with the Belgian National Orchestra, singing in Louis Andreessen's Odysseus's Women and as Anais Nin, the world premiere of Permadeath, a video game opera, the title role in the West Coast premiere of Lembit Beach's Sophia's Forest with Opera Parallel, the performance and Grammy-nominated recording of Malcolm X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X with Odyssey Opera and Boston Modern Opera Project, and her solo debut with Boston Lyric Opera and Opera Philadelphia. She also has done the world premiere of Experiments in Opera's film, Everything for Dawn. Also, definitely check that out if you haven't seen it yet. And a duo recital with mezzo-soprano Stephanie Blythe. This spring, she's going to make her company debut with Brooklyn Art Song Society. You're going to hear a little bit more about that in this episode. And Queen of the Night with Mass Opera. She is a core member of the critically acclaimed chamber ensemble, The Broken Consort, and a member of Queen's Voice Lab. We also talk about that in this episode. Queen's Voice Lab is an empowered group of singing artists advocating for artists' rights and more humane, equitable practice in the vocal arts at large. She has so many impressive awards, and I definitely encourage you to read more about that on her website. And finally, she splits her time between New York City and Boston, where she shares a home with her partner, her three stepkids, and three pet snakes, which she kind of alludes to in this episode. So definitely make sure you check out uh, their, their solely, uh, <laughs> their, their Instagram, which is solely focused on them. <laughs> so y'all, I am so thrilled that Maggie is here giving us this masterclass episode. And so let's get into it. Here we go. Hooray! Maggie, I am so thrilled that you are here doing a masterclass episode for Studio Class. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. And I just want to kick things off by having you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your name, tell us what's filling up your heart at the moment, all that kind of good stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, like Megan said, my name's Maggie Finnegan. I, uh, I currently live uh, just outside of Boston. And um, I am a soprano, and I sing all kinds of stuff, but I'd say my favorite things to sing are contemporary works, and I really like working with composers and librettists and, you know, having a hand in sort of creating new things. Um, because I live in Boston, and it's a big early music town, I also do some early music as well, which I also love. Uh, so I kind of do the, the old and the new stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm originally from California, and I moved out to New York uh, for my undergrad, and then I went to Peabody for my grad degree. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, yeah I love it. I'm, I'm so I love I love anytime we get to talk about like the the far reaches of like very early things and very new things. <laughs> like, yeah, I love. It's so interesting to me that singers that work uh, in contemporary classical music also also regularly do early music. I think that there's so much um, 
similar timbres, choices, things that you get to make in both of those areas of music. Is that something that you experienced when you started doing more of either one of them? Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I started doing, I think, contemporary music first. Um, and then I sort of fell into early music almost um, and realized I really loved it. And I was um, getting work in it. And yeah, like you said, it's odd because a lot of folks who run the companies around here or in other places would hear me sing really contemporary things and then hire me to sing, you know, Vivaldi. Yeah. And I would think, wait, why, why did they hear that and think of that? But now that I do more of it, it's really, I think there is a lot of overlap in um, kind of the vocal flexibility you have to have um, as far as like, yeah, techniques using, using straight tone, using, just like, you know, learning things that are sort of outside of the um, the kind of standard classical repertoire. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, you know, something that I like about early music is there's, especially with the really early stuff, which I've also done like medieval music and things like that. There's actually like not, we, we know, we don't know as much about it. And so often you just will get a melody or you just will get kind of the framework. Yeah. And a lot of the process is actually building it and so there is a bit of like a contemporary uh kind of swing to it because it's um you're creating it in based on something really old but of course we don't know exactly exactly what was going on we have like frameworks right. so I think there is that that it kind of hits that part of me that really likes to you know create and interpret at the same mm -hmm. time Yes, I yeah. love that. I love that marriage of creation and, and interpretation. And yeah. obviously, I think in, in new music, we get a lot of space usually. And it's like, yeah, we do collaborate with composers. And so we're trying to achieve their vision. But usually that collaboration is such that we as interpreters get a lot more space, I think, than sometimes even in our more traditional uh, classical rep, quote unquote, classical, like the, right. genre, like the specific time period of classical. But I think that that's so neat. And I think both of us gravitate towards that ability to just kind of explore yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> so For Maggie, sure. I'm wondering, I, at the beginning of all of our masterclass episodes, I start with the same question because I'm just really curious about kind of what is an intention that you are keeping for yourself at the moment? <laughs> That's yeah, it's a really good question. And I think for me there it's sort of always changing. So yeah. I, yeah, your question of like in the moment is great. Um and something I've been really working on is kind of following my following my energy in the sense of um in in a small scale and a larger scale. Um and the small scale would be sort of like, you know, when I'm when I have a free day where I'm not, you know, going into a rehearsal or doing something like that, but I'm you know, structuring my own day as far as like, I have to learn this music, I have these other, even like household chores or whatever things I have to do, errands. Um, I, I'm a big planner. I love making lists and things like that. And I think it's very, it was easy for me to sort of fall into a pattern of, oh, well, I said I was going to do this thing at this time. So I have to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and which, you know, is kind of funny because it's like a self-imposed rule, you know? Um, but uh, actually, my therapist was saying, you know, just follow your energy. And I thought, I love that, you know. And so every day I sort of wake up and I think like, well, what do I actually like? I know I have to do these things today. And 
what do I actually feel like doing first? Like maybe yesterday I felt like working out first and maybe today I actually just want to like wake up, make some coffee, sit in bed and like work on music yeah. and like yeah. not, not get out of bed until one because like, but like get all the work, you know, the music work done first. Yeah. Um, and of course, like there's always times where you just like, you just never want to do the thing you don't, <laughs> don't want to do. <laughs> yes. That's not like, it's always wonderful. and right. But, um, <laughs> but it's like, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm really, stuck and I you know I've been practicing for an hour and I just like my brain is foggy and I'm like you know I'm gonna take a walk you know and so it's having more flexibility because I tend to be um I think a lot of us in this industry are perfectionists and I tend to be very like no no things have to be this way so so giving way to more of like what am I actually like feeling that I need right now energetically you know and then on a larger scale feeling that as far as you know what kind of jobs I take and why I take them. And, you know, we can't always take, not every job is a dream job, of course. You yeah, know? So yeah. It's, it's okay to take jobs for different reasons and just be honest about why that's happening and not feeling like, you know, oh God, why do I have to do this? Or yeah. um, I wish every job was this job or whatever, you know? Right, um, right. Yeah. So I think following my energy, um, I'm trying to bring that into like kind of every facet these yeah. days. So. I love that. I'm wondering, yeah. I think that we feel kind of like this balance between routine, you know, being able to take decisions off our plate by following a routine, but then also where is the balance with like listening to your body? Because so much of what we do requires us to be really, really in tune with our body and our energy levels and, and that kind of intuitive nature is finding that balance between routine and also following your energy is that something that you've been navigating as you're as you're trying like you know kind of living into this intention absolutely yeah um yeah I think for me it's really about yeah just following yeah you know writing writing things I have to do and even you know as as a kind of rule follower I it's very hard for me to like like say you know I didn't get to this thing today or I don't think this is going to work because like you said, our, what we do is very physical too, mm -hmm. uh, mental and physical. And depending, like some days are more for me study days where I'm like plunking notes and just like memorizing things. And yeah. some days it's like, okay, now I'm going to get up and like sing it. And that's a very different experience. And some days are better for, you know, for one and not the other. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so, so being able to say like, you know, like today is not actually the day for that. I'm going to put it on my, my thing for tomorrow. It was yeah. like a hard, it's, it's a hard thing for me to do still, yeah. but to trust that, you know, it will all get done. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's actually, you know, in my experience, if I, a lot of times, if I kind of force myself to do something, it does, it's not super productive anyway, you know, or yeah. it, I could have done it in half the time or whatever the next day. Uh, so yeah. So having that flexibility is it's a good lesson for me you know I think one of one of the things that I have to remind myself is like no gold stars for suffering and so <laughs> like <laughs> I love what you're saying about kind of following your energy it's like sometimes when you're trying to force yourself I I get a like I'll get that in my mind from you know hangover of hustle and grind culture and stuff like that just like totally really hard right and then it's like and I'm like, it doesn't mean more that I did it on a day that I wasn't really feeling. <laughs> and like, in fact, it's a little bit better if I'm more in tune with 
oh, today's a great day for this thing. Today's a great day for that thing. So I, I really appreciate hearing you say more about that and, and just kind of thinking about like, how do we check in with ourselves so that we're not following maybe advice that isn't the right thing for us, right? It's like, there's so much advice about uh, structure routine and also just like push, push, push in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that especially when it comes to like learning a lot of music or like doing all the gigs or all of those things that I I really love coming back and saying like, check in with yourself and follow your energy levels. And that's, I think that's a necessary part of that conversation and realizing that there's balance between, you know, pushing yourself to try something new or like go outside your comfort zone, but also just like in your day to day, follow your energy so that you can do the things that you want to do. Right. So I, I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. you're bringing that to this conversation. And um, you mentioned some of like getting, getting ready, memorizing things, plunking things, like getting, just preparing music in general. And one of the things that I really like to ask about is what is a technical skill that you really love to teach? And so this can be anything. It's really just about you know, when people, when you're working with students or you're working with other colleagues and you just really light up when you get to teach like this particular thing. So I'm curious what that is for you. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned that was really, uh, that changed everything a lot for me, because I'm, I feel like I, um, I, I like to call myself like a theater kid at heart because I feel like I, I was always singing and music was always part of my life. But I think what really draws me in and kind of hooked me into the whole industry was the like the sense of character and the sense of theater and drama and that that like creating a different uh world you know and like um and so for me you know getting older and I still do a lot of opera but like a lot of times I'm on a recital stage or a concert stage or you know and for me it's important if I'm gonna have fun and like really get into it to still have that clear sense of where am I, who am I, you know, like all the, all the, like, you know, all the backstory of the character, even if it's an art song. Right. Yeah. And, or even if it's a vocalese, I'm, I'm learning the vocalises right now. And so that's, a, that's a challenge, right. Cause it's like, yeah. okay, like what's going on, you know? Um, and so something I really like to teach because it's so meaningful to me is um, getting super specific about um, writing in um, subtext for my above or below or whatever my text or non-text as the case may be. And for me, I actually, whether it's an English text or not, I get really specific about every word, every line that I'm singing. Um, what am I, what is my character actually trying to say? Because mm. we all know that, you know, we don't always say exactly what we're thinking. Yeah. Um, and especially in repertoire where you get lots of repeats yeah. um, or there's a lot of coloratura yeah. and, you know, it's, um, there's nothing more boring than like singing or listening to coloratura that has like nothing behind it. <laughs> uh, you're like, no matter how thanks. impressive it is, it's just after a while you're like, okay. So, um, so I get super specific and I mean, it's time consuming and it's like one of those things that I sort of have to like, okay it's going to be worth it because it's going to be so much more fun. Yeah. Um, and what I will do is I'll, I'll write it down really specifically. And then um, it helps me to sort of uh, recite or deliver 
that text as a monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have to memorize it, but it's like to say it so that um, so that there's like a natural intention behind all the words because it's hopefully you know if you're singing work that was um, you know set really well by the composer and words that were are really great words hopefully it all kind of flows and it feels really natural but you still have to find kind of your own personal cadence Mm -hmm. and especially when you're doing works unfortunately they're not all like that that (laughs) might feel awkward or it's like in old English or it's in another language that you don't speak the language um to find your own cadence so that when I you know and it's actually easier for me in a different language so that Obviously, I translate the language so I know exactly what those words mean. But then eventually when I am performing, ideally, I get to a place where I'm not thinking about the words I'm saying. I'm not thinking about the direct translation. I'm only hearing my own like subtext. Um, And to me, that's just like that cut out cuts out the um, the sense of like it, it allows me to be more like in the flow in the moment. Yeah um of whatever I'm doing um and sometimes in addition to that I'll do like an overarching um I'll have like sections of the piece where I'll attach like a certain emotion or objective or something so that there's more of like a an overarching flow as you know so there's the real specific and then it gets like broader um and for me I feel like I hear and feel a huge difference in my own performing it's just more fun and I notice it in other folks when I like when I talk to people about doing that and um it's just it's just much more internalized so I I find that character work like super rewarding you know time consuming but rewarding (laughs) yes yes (laughs) well and that's honestly one of my favorite things about watching you perform is that you're so fascinating and interesting on stage you're never boring and Aww, it's just thanks. so great <laughs> it's, and and I'm curious that I think sometimes we have a really good concept of our subtext I was wondering if you would talk a little bit more about if there's anything specific that you do to really kind of embody or bring that from from a conscious awareness of your subtext to what that feels like motion wise like physicality wise that's a a really good question like theater and kind of concert space because we know that those are different but Mm -hmm. both require that embodiment I would love to hear you just talk a little bit more about that yeah and I mean I have to say it's it can be even more challenging when you're in a concert setting because you know on the stage you're usually having a stage director kind of telling you physically what to do so um well that it can be easier or more challenging if depending on if it's counterintuitive, you know, because sometimes we all get those stage directions where we're like, okay, like, I'm, I don't know why I'm doing that, but sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, actually, what I'll do is, um, and I'm like a really physical learner. So I kind of do this anyway, when I, when I say the thing as a monologue, I'll either be in front of a mirror, like big enough so that I can kind of like, I have my like, I don't know, three by three foot box, you know, that I, if I'm on a concert stage or, you know, a recital stage or whatever, that I can kind of move within. Um, so I'll, I'll, and I'll sort of take note of things that I'm doing naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have even before I have like video recorded myself. 
when I'm practicing and that way I can go back and look and say like, oh, I noticed that every time I say this thing, I, I like look in a certain way or I, you know, I, I'm Italian too. So I talk with my hands, you know, so it's like, uh, and then I, and then I can actually kind of work it into my staging, you know, in a way that I end up kind of doing it every time and it becomes a little prescribed, but it, it initially came out of my own, like my own movements. Um, The other thing I do is I, and this is just, you know, something I learned in school was like, you know, I, if I'm talk, if I'm speaking with certain people, if my character is like talking to a certain person or if there is no character and I have to invent it, I'll, I'll like invent someone that I'm, you know, talking to or, um, and I'll put, I put them in very specific places. So for me, it'll be like, okay. Uh, like for example, the, um, uh, the queen of the night in, uh, magic flute. Mo- a lot of people know that aria. The first aria where she's um, convincing uh, uh, Tamino to go find um, Pamina. And, um, you know, so I have like each character in very specific places. Like Tamino is always right here on yeah. to my right. And for me, my sort of like inner, my inner, um, when I'm thinking things that I'm kind of inside, you know, how we all, we say things and then we think, you know, oh yeah, what was that? You know, and you, maybe your brain, you look up because a lot of times when we were thinking or remembering, we, we look up to the left, yeah. things like that. So like my inner thing will be in a different direction. And so it's like more interesting to watch that it's not like, oh, all, you know. Yeah. Um, And it makes it easier to like communicate too, because like when you put things in different physical places, it affects your face and your body and your emotions if you connect things you know in different physical places absolutely um yeah I love that I mean yeah. I've been thinking a lot about some of the motions that we learn in singing and then also releasing ourselves from doing something that feels natural because we've been doing that as singers and then coming right. back to what feels natural as just our contemporary human people, like <laughs> like motions that we would make in our lives. And so I'm curious, do you when you're when you're paying attention to your natural motions, when you're thinking about that, do you ever catch yourself kind of doing singer motions, quote unquote, singer motions versus something that feels more natural to you, Maggie, as a person? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I feel like. My problem actually has always been that I, I'm actually kind of an introvert and I think a lot of us are, which is odd, (laughs) but, um, so I was always, for me, it was always like, I was always being told to do more physically because I tend to like, even in my daily life, I tend to be sort of like, I stay within my, you know, physically I'm not, I'm not like all over the place, you know? Even and I'm a small person. Italian hand yes. talking. <laughs> yes, even with the hands, they stay within the box, you know. So, um, so um, for me, the, actually, the problem was, or the one of the challenges for me was to actually um, make my movements bigger, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which, like, there is that pitfall of, like, opera, you know, opera emoting or opera staging where everything is just like so huge that again it's like you can only get away with it the Met because the Met is yeah. Yeah. so huge yeah. 
but anywhere else it's going to look like really forced stupid. like yeah you know, you're really forced exactly <laughs> so so for me it's it's um i kind of have to remind myself like you know it's really unlikely you're going to go too far physically yeah. Yeah. because i tend to go in the opposite direction and i think we all have our own challenges right yeah. some people are have to kind of rein it in yeah um and well, i forget what teacher it was who told me this but uh, they would say you can always slice a ham, meaning if it's like over the top, you can always rein it in. Yeah. <laughs> and so they'd say, don't don't be afraid to overdo it because we can always rein it in after. But but for me, it was always, you know, giving myself permission to be big. And so actually, Queen of the Night is another um, character that I I had to learn that a lot with because she's a larger than life character. And, you know, and so for me, it was giving myself permission to like make those really big gestures and like make myself feel big on stage. You know what I mean? Um, but it's interesting because there is so much more contemporary opera happening now, which is fantastic. And so I think that's a big challenge for singers who traditionally worked more in the the kind of old school. I mean, it's, it's not around as much as it was, you know, uh, like in the beginning of mo- like contemporary opera, but, um, or I guess, 20th century opera um but but yeah a lot of a lot of it is becoming more natural and more you know like and even with you know I think a lot about um the Met and how they you know they started their HD series and so a lot of it's actually like acting for the stage and acting for the camera and it's like this dual thing which like that sounds like a total juggling act you know absolutely um, especially as yeah. for that size of the space where you're like, those are two different things for sure is acting all the way to the back of that hall versus like also the camera, the camera is like, like up <laughs> into your like face. <laughs> up your nose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. So I think, I think, you know, where, where music and opera is going right now is like the genres are all starting, are all starting to kind of come more closely together. Um, as far as like people want to see more natural yeah. behavior, you know, reality TV is like ev- everywhere. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And the funny thing is though, that I notice a lot is reality TV ends up being, I, I think we don't realize like how dramatic just real life is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And there's always a sense of like, Oh, no one would do that. It's like, well, you know, so, so it's, it's maybe they're influencing each other. I don't know. But um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like a a tightrope walk yeah. sometimes. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of taking a little bit of a pivot here, I think, especially being able to teach some of those things, talking about embodying things. The pivot that I'm curious about asking next is it's kind of like a little bit more career focused, and. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've we've been friends for a, for a long time now. But like, one of my things is about micro actions and really just kind of like bringing things down to their their kernel level. Like, what's the thing that things that you do that just kind of keep things building on top of each other, keep momentum going in your career, mm. so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Like, oh, I have to do all of these things all at once. So the right. example that I always use in this is like a micro action is not write the grant because the grant is like 17 parts, right? Like it's like, oh, I'm going to like finalize the budget for the grant. Like that's kind of like bringing it down. I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk about 
something that you feel like is a micro action that you've done in your career that just kind of helps you feel like it's moving forward or it doesn't feel like it's um, stagnating anywhere because you've been able to kind of like do something that's very manageable regularly. Yeah. Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love Studio Class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash mezzoenen. And now we're back to the episode. Um, yeah, I don't know that, like, my my thought about this is more, um, it's not as much of a concrete thing as more of, like, something that I tried to keep in mind. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone can identify with this, with, you know, with this career and any career that's very competitive. Um it's very easy. It's always been very easy for me to, you know, compare myself to other people and say like, oh man, they just had, they just had this debut or, um, or, or whatever, whether it's, you know, it's like, there's always going to be someone who's ahead of you or behind you in this subjective way of thinking about it. Right. right. Um, and so for me, something that's always kind of kept me balanced and moving forward because again like you said it's very easy for me when I get overwhelmed I kind of get paralyzed and I think well I don't know where to start there's too many things so I just can't do anything you know and so and so uh for me it was always like well you know what like we're all on our own path and like you have no idea what people especially with you know social media and all that we have no idea what's going on behind what we see on the outside right i mean like it it's very easy to say oh man i wish i had xyz i wish i was that person i i wish whatever but you know you don't know you don't know what that person's dealing with you don't know whatever yeah. they're you know they have i'm sure they're looking at someone else saying man i wish i could be them right mm-hmm. so for me it's always to keep things in perspective, it's just like, okay, like, what do, what do I want, like, in this moment? What's like, what's one thing I can do right now? Or, you know, in the right now, meaning like next project or next step in a project that will move me towards being the kind of artist I want to be. Or like, um, even if it's like, you know, I'm working on this really tricky thing and I just need to be like reminded that I love singing. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to just take five minutes and sing this other thing that I know, like the back of my hand, that just feels really good and just remind myself, Oh yeah, you really like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all a struggle and you've already accomplished a lot, you know? Um, so to, to celebrate yeah so I, I'm kind of going in different directions but to remind myself that I'm on my own path 
and also to recognize that there's already been a lot of growth on my path, you know, and even if you're like, you know, it's not, it's not just like, you can only say that if you're as many years into my career as I am, but like, even if you're beginning, you know, there's something that took you on this path and like you've started down the path and like, it's not an easy choice to make. It's not, you know, and so, um, you know, giving yourself credit for the things you have done and, and then saying, cool, like we already, I already did all this, like, let's keep going as opposed to, oh man, there's so many things I haven't done, you know? Um, so keeping things in perspective for me, it's it sort of, it really influences like every step and just saying, you know, um, I am where I am and every, every, everyone is where they are and it's like unique to each person and that's okay. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for sure. Yeah. It is. Maggie, you said something in there about being the artist that you want to be that really just struck me. And I'm wondering if you have any ways that you check in with that, that you could share. I think that so much, I'm, I'm like a relentless goal setter. Like, and so I don't want to like force that on anybody. That's my version of doing it. But like, but I also just love hearing people talk about the ways that they check in with that, that self-awareness, but also I don't know, quote unquote, feeling into the future, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just so interested in how do you check in and say like, what is the artist I want to be? What am I doing to kind of realize that in my life? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's yeah, I think it's so important to check in like that, because especially as a young performer I mean and we all have to there's there's a time in your career where you just have to take everything that comes at you yeah yeah it's the reality yeah at least for my perception and that's sort of what I did and I I always felt like early in my career was a lot of like let me just say yes to everything and then I can maybe open myself up to new things that I didn't know existed which is sort of what happened with uh new music you know uh for me and um so for me, it's really about, you know, looking back and saying, going back to the basics of like, okay, why do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, why not do something easier? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> for real. You know, yeah. Um, so like, there's got to be a strong motivation, you know, and, and it's, it's like, yeah, anyway, let me all back up. but um. So why do I want to do this? And for me, a lot of it is looking back at, we've all had those experiences on stage or projects we've worked on where we thought, yeah, this is it, you know, hopefully. And if you haven't, like you will, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then for me thinking about that specific experience and trying to distill, what was it about that, that gave me that feeling? Mm-hmm. And then trying to assemble those pieces again, like maybe it was, um, like for me, a lot of it is like, that was amazing because, man, I really felt like that team was so gelled and I really felt 
like I could be totally comfortable and explore with that group of people and not feel judged or like I had to like deliver anything, but it was very much just like this total learning experience with all of us, you know? Um, And so then it's like, okay, cool. So let me, I'm going to like reach out to a few people and say like, Hey, do you like want to do something? It doesn't really matter what, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's just do something. Right. And so, you know, and a lot of times, you know, because over the years you, you know, you meet so many amazing folks that you kind of, I've kind of collected these people where I know it, like, whatever we do, it doesn't matter. It's going to be great, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's one of the things for me. And honestly, that's why I do a lot of the character work too, is because for me, it's so much about creating that sense of theater. Yeah. And so without that, it just kind of feels like I'm going through the motions or it's like empty, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just, I think, you know, looking back and distilling experiences into one or two um elements that really were able to like deliver you what you needed um and I I found that you know there are like a bunch of different ways that I can like get that sense of fulfillment and so yeah looking back on past experiences and I think even when you're a really young singer and maybe you haven't had that many experiences there's a reason why you want to do this yeah yeah and thinking like okay why do I want to do this yeah oh I oh because when I was on like when I was 10 I saw this show and I just got this feeling okay cool so like what was it about that feeling oh I really love the um I don't know the feeling when the orchestra really like came together okay cool so like how do you whatever how do you find that you know um and creating you know creating um opportunities for yourself you know when I when you're a young singer like you know when I was younger and I was again taking everything that came my way a, you learn a lot about like what you like and what you don't. But also during that time, I also made a point to create my own experiences that maybe, you know, there was no money in it or whatever. Right, right. But it was super like fulfilling. And so that kind of carries you through because you have to do the things that make you money, even if they're not, you know, mm-hmm. the exact things you want to do. Right. <laughs> part of it. Right. <laughs> um, when yeah. you say that you created your own opportunities, could you give an example of kind of what what you did to make that happen? I mean, for me, it was a lot of like, I would do, you know, recitals, like I would find friends to do recitals with, um, or do, yeah, create little programs and like, you know, work with churches are great for, you know, for spaces or, um, or try to get on like, little local, like, concert series, that kind those kinds of things, where you get to pick your own repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um and so you have more control over what what you're doing, you know? Um, and then again, and then that gives you the opportunity to like pick the people you want to do the thing with, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I love that. Because I think that we say, yeah. we say create your own opportunities. And we say it that way because it can look like so many different things. But I always yeah. love just asking like, what did that look like for you? What did you put together? And you brought up some really great points in there it's like you get to pick the people you want to work with you get to like really create something for a specific space you know because you know where you're trying to like perform it and you can 
you know, work with people that like people that want to do the same things that you want to do and you can try some Mm -hmm. stuff out. It's like, um, probably a very like loving audience because you know them all. (laughs) So (laughs) like all of that stuff is, is really important to thinking through like, what does it mean to create our own opportunities when we say something like that? You know, what, what are the nuts and bolts of getting to do that for the stuff that you actually want to do? So I'm wondering, Maggie, do you have anything, you know, coming up right now that's kind of like filling you up, that's kind of giving you that sense of fulfillment or meaning that you might have attached to experiences in the past? Yeah, I'm, uh, the, the music I'm working on right now, I have a bit of like, um, a space as far as, you know, like physically going and doing gigs, which is nice, which is really nice now and then. And, but I'm working on repertoire for um, my, my debut with the Brooklyn Art Song Society in Yay, New York, which I'm really super stoked for. Yeah, I've been um, a huge fan of them for a long time. And yeah. so I'm going to be singing um, a few pieces on a um, one of their New Voices, um, part of the New Voices series um, in April. And so I'm working on, the music that I'm working on is, it's sort of, um, I guess it would be described as sort of like avant-garde European. Yeah. Um, and there's some stuff that's a little more contemporary. There's some um, Sariajo on there. And, um, but it's, it's very, uh, it's very like new music-y. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we know. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, some pieces are more challenging than others. So I'm, ha- I'm having that, um, that I'm going through that kind of mental cycle where I'm, it's so funny as, as all the years I've been doing new music, it's like, I still go through this period where I look at it and I'm like, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and then like, and then it's I spend some time with it. And I, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, and then, and then I, you know, I spend like a few minutes with it. And I look and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go back and I'm learning it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> So it's like, but I've done it long enough that I know that like, I know, you know, there's no longer the fear of like, oh my God, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just so funny how like, it's, uh, it's just kind of this magic thing, at least with, with music that's not like sight readable, basically, where there's this magic moment where you go from looking at it and it's just like makes no sense at all to it really can be like the next day like you're working 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 and it's like you just have to trust that it's going in and then the next day you're like oh I get it you're right you know what I mean it just makes sense it's so funny you're like I've been learning forever like oh it's it's there (laughs) exactly it's it's this like amazing brain thing that happens that I don't quite understand but I have to trust is just there um, but it's been really fun because I, yeah, sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I do this to myself because it's <laughs> so much hard work. And there's that, that, you know, like that emotional flip-flopping of like, this is so cool. Oh my God, why am I doing this to myself? You know? Um, but, but for me, like the, I actually really do love the music. And yeah. so, I mean, if I didn't love it, it would be like pain for no reason, you know, right. but it's, <laughs> But because I really love it and I know when I get it, it's going to be like, 
so awesome. It's going to be yeah. feel so good. Um, and it's almost like, I think something I really like about learning trickier new music or trickier music in general yeah. is um, it feels sort of like you have a secret. Yeah. Cause like when someone else, like you, you know, even someone like me who sings all this kind of stuff, when I hear someone sing something else that I don't know, it sounds like they have like a, like a, a magic <laughs> talent. Like not like, what am I trying to say? Like, sounds like they have like a special power. Right. Right. <laughs> and like, they understand something that? that I don't. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing that? Yeah. And, and, um, and so there's a sense of like, and to a certain extent in my own head, there's a sense of, because that mystery, there is that mystery between the moment of not knowing and the moment of knowing, yeah. even though, you know, it's because of all the work you put in, yeah. there is a sense of like, how am I doing that? That's amazing. You know? <laughs> and so I really like that. You know, I think yeah. that's really fun and it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me with like a sense of sort of wonder mm-hmm. of um, you know, what humans can do and how things can go from scary and the unknown to the knowable, yeah. you know, but there's still a sense of mystery behind it. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like keeping that sense of wonder um, going, which like, Part of me is like, I wish I had it like a, an easier way to <laughs> achieve that feeling. But, you know, this is what this is, you know, this I, time and time again, I come back to it. And when I have when I have the opportunity to program my own music, I, I do it to myself all over again. So right, it's like, right. you know, uh, Maggie, you're like making me want to go practice right now. So I, I'm loving this. Okay. <laughs> And then like get a little, I'm going to get my own sound bite. This is why I have these conversations like that. I just play yeah. for myself and be like, okay. Exactly. Oh my gosh. There's something, you know, because I'm such a stand for new music, obviously I, I always like to have that conversation about new music's not going to hurt your voice. Like there's like so many ways to get into this. Would you talk a little bit about either how you came around or maybe some strategies that you use when you're approaching something that's super unfamiliar and mm-hmm. you've never done it before. And I, I kind of think about the things that usually people get nervous about when they're approaching trickier scores or whatever is like a uh, trickier harmonic language or like m- melodic language and then rhythms and then also maybe specific timbres or, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, uh, ex- well, extended techniques, everything's a technique. It's not, like, it's just, yeah. but I think those are the areas where people start to take a look at a score and they go, Oh, that I can't do that. That's not for me. Right. Since we both have that experience of like digging in and, and there's the, the fact that we know it'll happen on the other side, but you don't quite know how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some of the ways that you just kind of keep digging into it, just kind of keep uncovering those things. I, I'm so curious to hear. Yeah, for me, it's really about, I, I, I tend to, it's very easy to look at something and just want to kind of dive in all at once, you know, and like, with some music you can, I would argue that like, you never really should with even if it's something that looks very simple, you yeah. know, <laughs> but like, follow, like, you know, follow the, 
um, follow the steps that you know work mm-hmm. and just like trust the process. And uh, that sounds like so hokey, but um, for me, it really is, you know, like, yeah, when I look at one of these pieces that when you look at it all at once, it looks really scary. But when you just often I'll sit down, like, what do I do first? Usually I tackle the rhythm first. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's sort of rhythmic, even if it's not rhythmically challenging, I'll just sort of like go through and just like tap it or ta 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 or something. Mm-hmm. And once I have that, then I add the notes. And so it's not like you're trying to do everything all at once because mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe some people's brains can do that. Mine cannot. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I envy people if they can. Right. But um yeah, and so a lot of it is just like going step by step, and so it's like rhythm, melody, and um, and for me with uh, you know, with tricky intervals and things like that, or if the melodic, if they're like, is it really much of a melodic language, or or it just doesn't make sense in my brain? I I for me personally, um, intervals like writing out the intervals mm-hmm. works really well. Yeah. And finding little patterns like, oh, wow, these actually spell out like just a minor chord. Yeah. But like in the context of the piece, like it does not sound like that. Right? <laughs> but like distilling things down to like little moments. Yeah. And then I find like, you know, a lot of it's just repetition, like doing it over, over, over. And like then that magic moment happens where it's like, oh, I can sing that line. And like somehow I like know all the intervals, you know. Right. Um, you ever had a moment where you didn't know how to count something and then had to like figure that out? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I sometimes it gets me. Sometimes there are pieces where, especially, um, yeah, it just depends on how things are written. But sometimes they're written in a way where I just have to go de- back to the basics and just like beat out all of the eighth notes. Yeah, <laughs> and just be like, and then after I do that, I'm like okay, I kind of see how this all fits together. And then I can look at it the way it's written and it starts to make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's funny because, you know, I think we all have some degree of imposter syndrome, you know? Right. And I remember I used to think, I think, oh man, you know, I have to do these things to help myself, help myself learn this. This must mean that like, I'm not as smart technically. Oh. Or I, <laughs> but then I'm like, Real as as I you know do more of it, I think like no, like everybody has to do this. You everybody know, like, has to do this. Yeah, no one can just look at this stuff and just do it. I mean, you know, there are, there are degrees to you know. Right. I'm so amazed at like pianists that I work with where they literally just sit down and are like play things. It's right. it's, it's mind blowing to me. Right. But um, but yeah. So I mean, and I think you know that's one of those things that brings me back to like we're all in our own path. We're all you know, you you don't see all the hard work when you see someone perform, you just see the final product. And so it's very easy to look at them and assume, oh, wow, look how easy they just did it. Yeah. They're just doing it then, but it's because of like so much hard work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, remembering that and, and staying, it's, it's hard for me sometimes not to look ahead and think like, why don't I just know it now? Why don't I just, you know, like, why don't I have it already? But then, but just go like, no, no, no. Okay. Do the rhythm, do the notes, do the intervals, do the language, do the, you know, right. Um, yeah. Following those steps for me is really, yeah. really crucial. 
I right preach yeah. like that's <laughs> like all the unglamorous parts where you're just like in the practice room in your practice space just being like figuring out this beat yeah <laughs> like, it's like banging two notes the interval being like why can't I hear a fourth why do I not know this anymore? <laughs> I'm so like, glad I'm not alone <laughs> Oh, no, no, you're not alone. Yeah. I feel like the funniest ones are it's like, especially like fourths or something. It's like you get something that's like a very consonant interval and you're like, your brain has been all over it and you're like, no, I'm sorry. I can't even hear a third anymore. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just done here. Like, yeah. this is it. <laughs> well, it's amazing how your brain like orients. Cause like when I've been doing a ton of uh, kind of tricky contemporary music and then I have to like I sub it at church or something and I have to just like sight read a hymn yeah. my brain is like does not know what to do. <laughs> it's like wait wait what are these what are these intervals I, I haven't seen any of these like like fourths or whatever you know it's just it's so funny um, and then after five minutes I'm like my brain's like oh okay we're doing this right, now right okay, fine. But it's so funny I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Matt, laugh at myself. <laughs> I've been talking a lot about probably annoyingly so uh curiosity because it's the big I'm a big fan, right? And I honestly believe that curiosity is a superpower. I think it's how we like discover the world and and really do our best to understand each other. And so yeah. I'm wondering what's something that you're curious about right now? Well, uh, it may I mean, anything seem off topic, but it's been um I've been working with a group called Queens Voice Lab, um, which is uh, out of Queens, New York. All of us, it's a bunch of um, artists, singers, and we're all connected to Queens in some way. And um, we're really dedicated to, um, you know, just creating like best practices and making our world, our artistic world more equitable. And um, we've been doing a lot of talk about um, anti-racism. And so I've become really curious about you know, learning, learning more and educating myself about, you know, the, the white supremacist um, system that we all live in yeah. and um, what that means and how, how it means that, you know, we, um, that I operate and like decisions I make and especially within our industry, but also outside of it. And so I've been over the last, I started during the pandemic that I was working with this group. So over that time, I've been, you know, trying to educate myself reading more books um and um I've read a few I read um stamped with stamped from the beginning which was fantastic I just finished white fragility which was also very enlightening um and uh I'm trying to one of my goals for this year professionally is you know with music that I get to program myself mm -hmm. I'm dedicated to only programming works by um, you know, BIPOC composers, you know, create creators and, um, people of, you know, marginalized gender identities and things like that, um, to try to, yeah, just like, well, A, open up my own awareness of that. I, I do already, I, I already been sort of dedicated to singing a lot of, um, works by female composers and librettists, which has been awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unsurprisingly, I am not, I'm just not naturally exposed to a lot of work by um, BIPOC artists. And so I'm like, okay, it's time to go out and look at, look for that stuff because the system I'm in is not, 
making room for that. So I'm, I'm really trying to, um, you know, break out of, break out of that as much as I can and try to like be a better, um, be better, you know, just be better and just be better, better. <laughs> just be a better person I guess, and all that. And just, you know, talk more about it. Cause it's, uh, yeah, it's, and it's luckily it is becoming, you know, more part of our national dialogue. Um, but I think it's just the more work that individually we can all do. And especially in the arts, I mean, I think there's so much opportunity to explore these issues and yeah. let different voices be heard and things like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are there, I mean, because you, you have your, you know, your recital coming up in April. I'm wondering if, you, is that one of the spaces that you've been able to curate more like thoughtfully about the composers that you're, you're kind of including there? Um, no, the, the repertoire was chosen for me. Gotcha. Um, there are, there's at least one piece by a female, there might be two, I can't quite remember yet, but uh, right now, but, um, and yeah, but, um, but I will be, I think I'm going to be giving a recital masterclass at Vanderbilt in the fall. Yeah. And so I get to program um, everything for that. So I'm yeah. very excited about um, exploring that and, and also finding ways to kind of like, you know, link the repertoire just besides, like, these are, you know, these are marginalized people. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. But like other, you know, these are other reasons why I really love their work. You know, yeah. it's not just that. So, yeah. Um, well, and, I, and I'm already having a lot of fun. Yeah. So go ahead. I was going to say, I truly believe that's like a baseline for what we do is just like, obviously, that's thinking broadly about how we're programming. And then bringing our artistic voice through that with the with just the knowledge that we're starting that's that's the requirement that's the point of entry is that of course we have like diversely programmed like programs right. you know um so yeah. i'm i'm so so happy that you're thinking about that that you're with a cohort of people that are that are thinking about that and wanting to mm -hmm. encourage each other and and just like you said best practices and and being able to create thoughtful community that way I think really helps us be better as as a field so I'm so glad to hear yeah. about that because I hadn't I hadn't heard about the lab yet so I I love when yeah I, I can like, send you more info or, yeah. and there's info on my website as well so if people if folks check out my website they can yeah. find more about Queen's Voice Lab too so. I love it well and also yeah. that's a perfect segue because Maggie where do people find you on the interwebs <laughs> <laughs> like, um yeah, I would say my the main thing is my website, it's maggiefinneganssoprano.com. And um that for, for our folks that are listening. Yes. Um yeah, so it's Maggie M-A-G-G-I-E Finnegan, F as in Frank, I-N-N-E-G-A-N, -N -E uh, Soprano, S-O-P-R-A-N-O <laughs> dot com. And um from there I have links to my other social media. Um I do have Instagram, it's more of a personal thing, but I do post a lot about gigs and I'm happy to have folks follow me. Um, and I also have an Instagram for my pet snakes. If yes, you're interested, yes. <laughs> this is a whole different thing, but you know, you can also follow I think I have info about that on my website too. So amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie, thank you so, so, so much for this. As I was mentioning before we even started recording, I was like, we haven't 
had a chance to chat and talk for so long. And so this is just like, know. you know, scratching the very top of like all the stuff that we could get into together. And so I'm definitely going to plan something else for, for us to just dive deeper like later. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and grace with my studio class listeners. And I hope we'll be able to check in with you again soon. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope everyone, you know, got something out of this for me. And I'm just, um, I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on studio class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at Mezzoenen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening!